Welcome to Alzheimer's Speaks Radio. I'm Lori LeBay, the host and founder of Alzheimer's Speaks. For those of you that are new to our show, I'll just give you a little brief background about us. Um, basically, Alzheimer's Speaks is an advocacy-based company providing multiple platforms to shift our dementia care culture from crisis to comfort worldwide. And we believe that by joining forces and sharing knowledge and just having everyday conversations like we do here on Alzheimer's Speaks Radio, that we're going to be able to help remove the stigmas attached to memory loss and help people continue to live purposeful, um, quality-filled lives with dementia. We know that by hearing and raising everyone's voice, we're going to be able to stamp out these myths and um, stigmas that create so much loss and isolation for not only those diagnosed, but their family and friends and community at large. And at our core, we believe collaboration is the only way that we're going to win this battle against dementia. And I know that it's working because of all of you. You see, your likes, your clicks, your shares on your, on your Facebook with your friends, your Twitter tribes, your LinkedIn colleagues, your Pinterest peeps, um, when you share our information, you're raising awareness, if you know it or not, and you are pushing information out to your own sphere of influence many of which you probably don't even know are dealing with dementia because they haven't come public with it, because they haven't felt comfortable. And so I, I want to encourage you to continue to do that when you see information about dementia and caregiving. Pass it along. It's very critical that we get people to feel comfortable to talk about this disease because we're never going to find a cure and we're not going to be able to give people the support they deserve if we don't have conversations. And by doing what you've done so far, you made um, us actually the number one influencer online, according to ShareCare and Dr. Oz. And again, I cannot thank you enough for all of you um, working collaboratively um, with all your likes and shares. So we'd love to see you continue to do that. We'd also like you to uh, like to invite you to be a guest on the show here. You see, we believe it's important to hear everyone's voice. So if you are diagnosed with dementia, maybe you have a loved one that's been diagnosed and you're caring for them. Uh, maybe you are questioning if yourself or somebody has dementia. Maybe you're a professional in the industry. You might have written a book, a song, um, produced a movie, or done some advocacy, or just have an opinion about the disease. Um, we want to hear from you. Harvard Research has even called to be on the show. So, again, we want to make this an even playing field for all. Now, before I introduce our guest today, which I'm really excited about because um, anytime we do anything that has um, cutting edge in, in the industry, I just, it, my ears perk up and my heart starts beating a little faster. I just want to give a shout out to a couple of organizations. One is the Good Samaritan Society. Um, if you are located in Minnesota, they actually have a life coaching for caregivers, which is free. And I highly recommend that you tap into that. Um, it's a pilot program, it's grant-funded, and again, no cost, which is rare when we have services that don't cost us anything. The phone number is 605-679-1765. Again, you can call 605-679-1765, or you can email care.coach at good slash, um, or I should say, slash sam.com. Um, That's care.coach at good slash sam.com uh, for more information. I also want to give you the opportunity to take advantage of a couple of trials. One is with FreshBooks, and um, if you're like me, you always need help organizing with your finances and stuff. And so FreshBooks has a free 30-day trial. All you have to do is go to gofreshbooks.com. 
gofreshbooks.com forward slash alive. That's gofreshbooks.com forward slash alive. The other is with Audible. In this fast-paced life, a lot of times we don't have time to sit down and hold a book in our hand and actually read it. So it can be read to us. And you can get a free 30-day trial with Audible as well by going to audibletrial.com forward slash social. That's audibletrial.com forward slash social. Now, today we are going to be talking again about a new cutting-edge community uh, that was just launched in July in Chicago. And we are lucky enough to have Gus Noble, who is the president of the Chicago Scots, the organization between the, uh, behind the Scottish Home and now the Caledonia House, which is run by Illinois' oldest charity, the St. Andrew Society. So welcome, Gus. How are you today? I'm very well, thank you, Laurie. How are you? Doing great, doing great. Uh, well, I really appreciate you taking time to talk to us. Um, before we talk about the, the home and, and everything that you're doing in your organizations, can you just give our audience a little background? They always like to know, have you been personally touched with dementia in your family or your circle of friends? I have, yes. Um, my um my family, my grandmothers both passed away recently back in, in Scotland uh, and both of them lived with dementia. Um, I have several friends uh, of the family who are also uh, living with, with dementia and, and uh, you know, on behalf of those people and everyone we're working with, I want to, to thank you, Laurie, and everyone at Alzheimer's Speaks uh, for, for the work you're doing. It's it's a terrific voice that you have and to bring people together for collaboration is such an important thing. So I want to thank you on behalf of everyone. Oh, well, thank you. It's uh, We love what we do here. Um, I don't know if you know my background, but my mom had dementia for 30 years. So um, I'm in my, um, well, my late 50s now, and she started having symptoms in her mid-50s and lived for 30 years with the disease. Mm. So more than half of my life, I've been kind of entrenched in this. And um, I tell people, you know, is I wouldn't, uh, I wouldn't wish this disease on anybody. But on the other hand, I, I was taught so many life lessons that I never would have learned without her having this disease. And so her disease was really one of the biggest gifts I'll probably ever receive in my life. Um, Gus, can you tell us a little bit about the Scottish home and the Chicago Scots? I'd be happy to. Yes, we, we are, as you say, are the oldest 501c3 charity in Illinois. We were started way back in 1845 uh, when Chicago was just a small frontier town of 12,000 people or so. So we were almost from, from Chicago's first days uh, part of the the kind of cultural and, and charitable fabric. We were the, the first and remain the oldest uh, uh, charity in, in the state. And it was started by a group of expat Scots who came over. And as, as Scots do all over the world, they get together and say, you know, we must form an organization to preserve and promote our culture. But what made the Chicago slots, Scots slightly different was that while they were doing that, they said, you know, it's important to celebrate who we are and to celebrate our identity, but we must give back and help those of our fellow country people who moved to this part of the world, but perhaps struggled to adapt. So those of us who did well must help those who did not do so well. And from the very first days of the society, there's been a focus on service as much as cultural celebration. And, and that's an important feature. Um, that, that group of Scots committed in quite a visionary way to to pursue a, a mission which they committed to paper. Um, and and the, they wrote down that the society would ensure that no deserving Scots in need would go without food, shelter, medical attention, or be buried in a potter's field. Very broad, very ambitious uh, mission and statement of purpose because there was no other charity to, to help to do all those various things. Well, lo and behold, through the years, um, various other service organizations were formed, government programs, churches, families, etc., began to take care of elements of that very broad mission. And we, in the, the, the later part of uh, 19, 
the first uh, decade of, of uh, the last century, um, decided that we would focus on the twin engines of our mission, which sustain us to this day, and those those are cultural preservation, which remains, but also on elder care. And we, we recognise that in our culture in Scotland, there are values which really lend themselves to the type of elder care and, and dementia care for which we've become known. So those, those values are a belief in education and critical thinking, in entrepreneurialism and invention, and in the equality of every individual and every opportunity. Those, those values are kind of quintessentially Scottish. So we, we decided that by celebrating what it means to be Scottish, we could pursue this mission to take care of, of people who need help in their, their more senior years. So in 1900, uh, we decided we would open uh, a, a, the first Scottish home. We rented a building on the south side of Chicago and those in need in the community came to us and we we ran this very nice uh, home for, for about 10 years until the area it was in became overcrowded and the home became filled and we decided to move to the uh, the outskirts of Chicago into what was then the middle of nowhere. It was a five acre plot of land in the, the middle of the forests and of course Chicago and the suburbs have spread so it's no longer in the middle of nowhere but we're still in and on that five acres of land and we built our own Scottish home and it's just an incredible building. It, it feels like the moment you walk through the door you've entered a family home in the borders of Scotland where I'm from. There, it's a architecturally uh, beautiful building but as soon as you walk in you're engaged by this incredible sense of family and incredible sense of home. And those have been the two beacons which have led the way of both the Scottish home and the Chicago Scots. Um, we, we believe in kith and kin. There's this Scottish spirit of kith and kin, which means friends and family. Mm -hmm. And we say now that the Scottish home is a place where friends become family. So we, uh, we're, we're very small. We get to know people in a very close and personal way at the Scottish home. Um, so I get to know all the residents and their families in the same way that our our caregivers do and our housekeepers do in food service. And, and that's really the, the core of what we do well, is that very close, personal, caring relationship that we develop with, with our residents and, and their families. And so we we decided that whatever it is that we do in the future must have as the beacons that light our way, the, the senses of home and family. And so we decided that when the time came for us to renew our commitment to our campus and to the purpose and, and to build a new on our campus, that we would build something. And that a consultant that we, we engaged encouraged us to, to design and build best-in-class memory care in a non-institutional setting. So uh, we built something that is home. It's it's not as as my friend Anna Ortigara uh, says. It's not home like it is home. And and Anna drove this point home to me uh, very very strongly once. And when I described in the meeting the the new building, I said it's going to be very home like. Anna stopped me and said, Gus, if I was to give you a plate of food and say, this is your lunch, I think you'll enjoy it, it's food-like. <laughs> Immediately, and I said that, I thought, I understand exactly what you mean. We cannot build something that is home-like, we have to build it truly as home. So we, we eliminated every institutional feature we could find, and we highlighted all the residential features we could find. So there is a full service kitchen in the heart of the home. And when a, a resident or their family walk out of their bedroom, which is only a few feet from from the uh, the great room with the, the fireplace and the dining table and the kitchen, she she and Mabel smell the, the, uh, the smell of a chicken roasting or cookies baking or on her favorite birthday or favorite day, her favorite meal. On her birthday, if she enjoys to have 
tacos or whatever it is that, that reminds her that this is her day. We will make it and let the smell bring back the memories of her, her favorite times in her life. So we wanted to really design and build a building that enhanced, uh, enhanced life and made those that live there feel as fulfilled. And, and the word which you used earlier, Laurie, and I, I use and I, I find is, a, is the most important word uh, to describe the Caledonian house. And that's that we all feel purposeful there. It's mm-hmm. it's a purposeful place. It's been designed purposefully to 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 engage residents. They're they're make sure they're comfortable and when they need to be comforted that they have everything and everyone they need to, to lead the most purposeful life they can. So that that's a whistle stop tour of hundred and seventy one years from when the Chicago Scots were first founded in Chicago right through to to our Caledonian house. Well, one of the things that I really like that you're saying, Gus, because usually when we hear cutting edge, everyone thinks high tech, you know, and we're going to push a button and something's going to light up and this and that, and someone's going to be tracked, you know, if it's how much you're in there putting out or if they've had a fall or whatever. And it sounds like what your cutting edge is first, and, and please correct me if I'm wrong, that you're really about relationships. You're really about comfort. Um, you're really about getting to know people and that being the priority of of what um, the Caledonia House has to offer is that that sense of comfort and peace and home. Just a, it's a, it's the next stage of their home. It's not someplace they're being housed. Right. Yeah, that's absolutely right, Laurie. You know, we I think I... I disappointed a, a journalist I spoke to a while ago because he was from a very kind of technology, technologically focused publication, and he wanted to know about the bells and the whistles and the design and so on, and all the, uh, the high tech side of the Caledonian house. And of course, we've we've invested um, in designs that incorporate all those things in in the, the highest. Um, kind of AV uh, technology that's there, the best um, security systems, etc., cetera, etc. Cetera. Th- those are all important, um, and the architectural design is terribly important. But where I disappointed him was by not talking about those things and by recognizing that eventually architecture and technology become obsolete. But what never ever will become obsolete is the uh, the relationships that will thrive. Uh, in the the Caledonian house, in any environment, people to people, the relationship that makes people find and feel comfort will will never, ever become obsolete. So we chose, yes, to invest in technology, but much more so to invest in hiring the right people and then, crucially, in training those people. And we invested in, for each one of the care partners, as as we call them, who work in the, the Caledonian house, in five and a half weeks of training before the first resident ever moved in. And so the, for me, the, the thing that we have been known for for all the years that we've run the Scottish Home, yes, it's a function of the small size, the intimate uh, the intimate um, atmosphere and the small size of the Scottish Home. Yes, it's, it's a, a function of our culture. You know who we are as people with kids and kin and where friends become family, but but more so I think it's it's a function of I'll use the word again of purpose. You know we see this as what people self-identify as wanting. If you live in your home and the uh, the the life that you led is is important to you and your family, just because it becomes impractical and untenable for for you to live in your home anymore doesn't mean to say you turn your back on all those things that make you feel comfortable and purposeful. So we we decided that from an architectural perspective and from an operational perspective, we would create an environment that allowed that to happen and promoted for that to happen. And so the the five and a half weeks of training were administered by a a terrific organisation who I'm, I'm thrilled we were able to work with. They're called PHI, and they're they're headquartered on the the, 
the east coast um, or, or on the east uh, eastern side of the states. Mm-hmm. Um, but locally, they're represented in Chicago by a lady called Anna Ortigara, who I mentioned earlier. And Anna has become such a, a good friend to the, the society in the Scottish Home as she is to many organisations and communities in, in the area now across the country. But Anna has become a passionate and powerful uh, advocate and voice for um, for for the dignity that people who live with dementia uh, must have. And and I can't thank Anna enough for all the things that she's done. But in particular, in her role with PHI, she helped us really design the operations, the systems, the training, the culture, and the philosophy of the the Caledonian House. Um, she she helped us find the right people and with those people we said how do we build a home that is as resident directed as possible and what is it that we need to do to to get people thinking in the right way Uh, so that again I I echo the values upon which the the society and the Scottish home were founded the, the value of educational critical thinking mm-hmm. always thinking what's best for the home what's best for the resident and their families what's best for the the uh, care partner the whole situation and she really helped us create a model which i truly believe will shift the way that we all think about caring for people with dementia in, in certainly in the chicago area i think we'll We'll see the, the Caledonian house be the small stone that's dropped in a pond that begins to form the, the biggest ripples. And the thing I'm most proud of is we're not saying we all need this high technology in, in our homes and houses in order to leave our, lead our best lives. What we're doing is going forward, as you rightly say, Laurie, with, with the relationship, with care, with, with love, uh, as our first step forward and and that will never ever ever lead us wrong that will always be relevant and uh, purposeful again well that's uh that's wonderful and i think uh, it's a message that really needs to be heard in fact uh, this morning on my dementia chats uh which is a, a webinar that i do twice a month and my experts actually have dementia we were talking about technology and apps and you know, they had a big discussion of what they'd like to see. And um, in, in one of the gentlemen, uh, Harry Urban, said, you know, I think you're putting false hope in technology. You know, we have to get back to kind of relationships and mm-hmm. what's really going to work because everybody's at a different pace. And so I think, you know, I think there's a blend with all of this stuff. Um, but uh, that relationship piece, I think we have lost sight of it a lot um, in the mm-hmm. delivery of care, and I know that there's a huge movement to bring that back through the dementia-friendly um, communities movement, through the memory cafes, through communities like yours and organizations that get this is the most critical thing. I mean, when we think back at, right. hey, if that was me there, what am I going to want? Am I going to want a button I can Precisely. push, and you know, and and um, or am I going to want someone to talk to and someone who I actually mm-hmm. feel is listening to me and um, I have a relationship, and I still have purpose in this community. Um, so I, I absolutely mm. love, love, love the concept. What kind of response have you been getting from from families um, and and people who have moved in? Well, it's been um, such a, an encouraging um, thing from from the moment we broke ground. The experience has been wonderful. Uh, from from both within the organisation, I kind of quietly set myself a couple of targets. Um, they weren't necessarily to do with dollars and cents or or you know the the speed at which we got the home built. They were kind of more um, descriptive, and what I mean by that was the the first thing I wanted to do was see the people from within the organisation who we went to and said. We want you to help us design this, this these homes. Um, so we went to our maintenance department. We went to our food service. We went to our housekeepers. We went to our 
nurses and CNAs and, and our administration. And we said, we want you to design a home that you would live in yourself. Mm-hmm. And we want you, as the people who we recognize that it's not us, it's not the guys in the ties, as we say, that, mm-hmm. that know the residents the best. It's you as the people who engage with them on a much more frequent uh, basis, you know them best. So we want you to design something that they would feel happy and comfortable in. And the first target I set myself was when I heard one of that team, and as it turned out, I heard three or four of them describe the Caledonian house as their house. I thought um, something's happening here that mm-hmm. they feel invested. They feel that, that their mark is on this house as much as anyone else's. So internally, there was a couple of important measures that I was looking for. Um, Yesterday, um, Chris Cortez, who is the Caledonian house manager and our assistant administrator at the Scottish Home, Chris was the first one to say to me, I'm I'm, I'm really proud of my house or our house. And and that was a, a really important thing. But she told me yesterday that the... One of the families and, and the resident who moved in decided that they wanted to have uh, something different for lunch and that they wanted to have it later and that they wanted the dishes to remain uh, until they could get to, to, to finish the meal and they will do the dishes um, at some point in the afternoon. You know, and I thought, hang on, that's exactly what happens in somebody's home. Mm-hmm. You don't have this very prescriptive kind of metronomic we must do the dishes now we must then clear and get people ready for medications and bathing and the activity and everything is per schedule and clock the rhythm of uh, a residence of a, of a home truly goes by um, in a much more fluid way according to the preferences of the people who live there so I saw something happening which I, I I really thought this this is working. This this is truly what we hoped it would become. Mm-hmm. Um, I I had uh, another resident and their family come to me and and say, you know, this 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 really does remind me that I have so much left to do. That I I uh, I want to you know start um, you know living. I want to start living the rest of my life I forget the exact word she used but it was you know I'm I'm not done yet kind of thing mm-hmm. and I have I have purpose you know back to that word again so the the, the targets and the, the measures that I've had in my mind aren't necessarily very scientific but they are more descriptive and I'd say the, the response overall from inside and outside the organisation from my boards from you know, the, the local mayor's office, uh, um, Mayor Hugh Harmonick of North Riverside, his, his mother is a resident of the Scottish home. And, and uh, I was delighted when Mayor Harmonick and, and Betty agreed to cut the ribbon together on the Caledonian house. And, and they're thrilled about it. His colleagues over at the village and in the, the, the local uh, councils are, are delighted the local residents uh, seem very happy on our, our neighbours. So I think we've we've done something that we can both be proud of and the community will find uh, find pride in too. Well, that's fantastic. Um, can you tell us a little bit, you know, there's so many different um, diseases out there. What made you guys focus in on Alzheimer's and dementia care? You know, we, we engaged a, a consultant way back when we first began. And we've known internally at the, the Scottish Home that, that we take care of people who have some kind of um, dementia or some kind type of memory care needs. We take care of them in a very close and personal way. So we've, we've been sure of our own quality and our own ability um, but we asked this consultant to hold up a deep and dark, truthful mirror to us and to go out and talk to people who worked at the Scottish Home, people who lived there or bored, but actually people who chose not to, but perhaps 
residents and people who chose to live in Warkow Square and uh, in other communities and you know members of our, our Scottish Cultural Society etc and the consultant interviewed upwards of a hundred people and really conducted a thorough analysis and she came back to us and having analyzed the market analyzed what was needed in the market and analyzed what people regarded us as in the market, what our, their perceptions of us were. She came back and, and answered a question which which we had framed uh, you know, in a way that we, we said, unlike Jack Nicholson in the movie, we can handle the truth. Mm-hmm. So if there is no longer a place for us in this market, if, if what we do has gone out of style or is no longer needed, we can handle it. We will uh, gracefully, you know, move uh, and allow someone else to move in, and we'll go and do something else. But she came back and said, you know, there is a place for you in this market. It's not as you know one of the the wonderful CCRCs that you have uh, in the the western suburbs of Chicago, like Cantata or the former British home, or Plymouth Place, and some of our neighbours who do wonderful work. But she said. You, you are known for being a, a place where, this is where the, the phrase where friends become family came from. Mm-hmm. And she demonstrated this by saying, we've measured the number of times that people said words, certain words during our interviews. And the word that was used most frequently throughout the interviews to describe Scottish home was family. And the word that was used second most frequently was home. So she said, those are the two things that you should build your home upon. Those are the cornerstones. And as I said, the beacons that light our way. And she also said at the same time, because of the equality and the number of CCRC beds in your area, um, there, there is oversupply in certain areas of uh, the, the kind of spectrum of care. But what is underserved in your market is the very thing that you do best and you're known to do best and you have the potential to do even better. Uh, And that's uh, focus on dementia care. And so she said, our recommendation in, in the summary of this two, 300 page report, she used one sentence and in a very, very insightful way, she said in that one sentence, well, it actually took her 200 pages to say, and she said, we recommend you build best-in-class memory care in a non-institutional setting, which actually felt very um, very uh, important to us because that, that's what our guts told us. Mm-hmm. You know, that, that's what our instinct told us we do best and do well. Our, our, certainly our residents told us we do that well. And... It was because we had that validated um, that we decided to move forward. And the Caledonian House, as we call it, by by the way, the name Caledonia is the old uh, ancient name for for Scotland that the Romans gave to Scotland while while they were over. Caledonia is a name that Scots will recognise as being Scottish, but perhaps non-Scots wouldn't feel excluded by in the same way that perhaps the Scottish home may may feel more exclusionary to to non-Scots. And I should add further that we at the Scottish home are are we welcome everyone. And and I joke and tell people that we welcome everyone who's Scottish by birth, by heritage, or simply by inclination. So if you uh, if you feel comfortable in a, a Scottish environment with the the icons of, of Scotland and so on, you're certainly welcome to to come and live. In, in the Scottish home. And so the the Caledonian House um, is really a, a model which I think is both consistent with the culture of the home and the culture of Scotland, but it's relevant to a need in the market. Um, it, it feels right for who we are and the market is in, in short supply. So we, we, we did something that, that felt right and was relevant. 
Well, that's wonderful. Um, instead of just following the trends to really look at what mm-hmm. you do, what your core values are, what you do well, um, what you think you do well, and then actually go and ask people, what do you think they do well? Um, right. A lot of people don't dig that deep and they just kind of want to go with their own own perception. So um, wise people... There's, you, a, mm-hmm. there's a, a line of, uh, you know, whenever whenever you get a Scotsman on on a radio or a telephone or in conversation at some point, it's likely he's going to quote from Robert Burns. So uh, I'll do that now. Okay. The, the uh, kind of compulsively Robert Burns quotation. There, there is a line that uh, he, he wrote that says, we pray the Lord the gift to give us to see ourselves as others see us. Uh, of course, that, that means pray the Lord the gift to give us to see ourselves as others see us, to see ourselves through others' eyes. And that's what we wanted to do before we we committed to to uh, you know building the Caledonian House was really to make sure it felt or it looked right according to what others viewed us as and it was relevant to the market. Mm-hmm. Well, that's that is wonderful. Um, now you know we're talking about purpose and relationships. Are there other things that that set the Caledonian House apart? Um, I know it's smaller in size compared to some of the the bigger communities. Are there other differentiating factors? There, there are, and um, you know, we before the Caledonian House even opened, we were very proud to win an award um, for innovation. The the British Consul General here in, in Chicago, uh, a good friend of ours called Stephen Bridges and uh, the British American Business Council under the leadership of its president, Tom Stevens, created an award called the British Consul General's Award for Innovation. And though it was initially envisaged, I, I understand, for mainly for startup companies, for innovative startup companies, they agreed to 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 look at the Caledonian House being the uh, the project of a 171-year-old organization, which could hardly be considered a startup. But by doing that, they recognize that innovation isn't something that only brand new organizations can do. Uh, it's something that is, is vital to an organization of any age, uh, that, that they keep doing that in order to, to evolve organically and not kind of change inorganically and do things that are unrelated to their core and what they do best. So they... They presented the uh, the award for innovation uh, to us for for three reasons. Um, one was the architectural design of the Caledonian House, and it, it as, as I mentioned earlier, does away with the institution and highlights the home. And we we wanted to to build something that looked, felt, and functioned as a home. And so we drew architectural cues from the local. Uh, neighborhood from architectural styles in the Midwest. But we also wanted to be consistent with who we are. So we drew architectural designs from Scotland too. And if you walk into the house, there's a a concept which is called Macintosh meets the Midwest. So Charles Rennie Macintosh was in Scotland our, he was a contemporary with uh, Frank Lloyd Wright, very, very kind of similar work. but we wanted to build something that echoed Scotland, but the local community too. So we we designed it in a way that has only 10 residents, um, 10 residence bedrooms surrounding this great room with a warm and cosy uh, sitting room, this beautiful stone fireplace, um, and then a dining room with uh, a table that seats 14 to 16 people. Um, and now that's important because the residents and staff will all have their main meals together. And the convivium, the life of the home, of any home, generally takes place around uh, a table at mealtimes. So we wanted to make this place a part of the home, a very, very special part. And unfortunately, what we had to do to build the Caledonian house was remove or beautiful white oak trees that had grown on our property for a hundred years. Now our tree surgeon said to us, they're they're probably nearing the end of their natural lives because of time and uh, the environment they've been in. 
So we decided to give them new life and to kiln dry the wood after we'd removed them to prepare it for for uh, transformation into this table. And we designed this beautiful oak table echoing Scottish architectural designs. And many of those trees stand where they once grew and are given new life. And the life of the house, the home, will take place around the, the tree where it once stood. It's a wonderful uh, thing and, and it, it, it demonstrates how seriously we take our stewardship, not just of our heritage and our, our, our culture, but of our natural environment too. And then next to that beautiful table is this open kitchen. So we have 10 rooms all opening out and a resident, instead of coming out of his or her room and being daunted by long corridors and the sound of overhead paging, med carts and nurses stations, instead will be greeted by, you know, a roaring fire or the clink of knife and fork on china or the smells of cookies baking in an oven. And so they recognised the uh, the Consul General and, and the British American Business Council an architectural innovation but they also recognise an operational innovation. And whereas in institutions you have food service, nursing services and uh, housekeeping services taking care of the rest of three different workers, what we uh, did in, in similar models uh, that you'll see around the country, we, we created a, a blended worker where we cross-train our staff to perform all three of the functions and therefore they provide much more holistic care to the residents and through more uh, increased meaningful interaction they build familiarity and trust uh, between the resident and the, the care partner and that leads to the resident really truly feeling engaged, fulfilled and purposeful. So there's architectural innovation as well as operational innovation. I think the thing that struck struck me the most was the philosophical innovation of the Caledonian House, and and that's by recognising that the person who true truly knows the resident, their their needs, their comfort levels, what they what they want, what they like, is is not the guy who sits, you know, with his pen on the blueprints. But it's the the care partner themselves that interact with the resident most frequently. And so from a philosophical perspective, we have empowered those care partners to be much more um, in charge of the decisions which affect this rhythm of the day that we were talking about. So uh, they, the, uh, the three innovations are architectural innovation and, and philosophical. And those, I think, are, are defining and distinguishing features of the Caledonian house. Um, meal times are, are really important times. And, and as we uh, worked with Anna and her colleagues at PHI, we also worked with a, a food service um, consultant who trained her staff to, to prepare exquisite meals, absolutely delicious meals. Uh, Jeff Goldoni is, is his name. He's out of Kansas. And did a great job with working with our teams over a period of a couple of weeks um, to to make these wonderful meals, to, to have the confidence and the flexibility to say to a resident or their family, what is it that you would like today and how would you like us to prepare it? And, you know, perhaps to say to the daughter who of a, a resident who, as you recognise that the, the head of the show may, may feel stressed and um, may feel you know overwhelmed by worry about uh, her loved one and go out into our own personal or, or professional life and, and not perform because of that worry and that stress at, at the level she needs to if, if we can say to to that daughter would you come and bring a recipe for your your mother's favorite meal on her birthday and help direct our care partners to prepare that meal. Well, she is immediately bonded to to what's happening to the care partners. She feels that she is part of 
the 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 care the caring and loving process and and my hope is that she can then go out from the uh, the Caledonian house and be able to be more rested to be able to put her head on a pillow and sleep in the evening and go out into her own family her professional life and be more productive so I hope that the resonance of the Caledonian house goes far beyond the most immediate uh, and, and obvious kind of care that we'd be giving. So there's the the, the uh, those those features I think are are the most uh, important to me. Okay, so um, given you know you just really opened your doors here, um, one of the questions I'm sure people are wondering is um, cost in terms of this. You had clarified that you don't have to be Scottish um, to 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 live there, um, but can you give us an idea of cost? And is it private pay only, or you know, are there any waiver programs? Yes, indeed. We are a private pay campus. We we aren't Medicare certified um, uh, nor Medicaid, um, and it's assisted living. Mm-hmm. Um, and I, I think uh, the the price is around about seven thousand a month. Mm-hmm. It's a, a rental model, um, so we we priced it for the Chicago market, right in the middle of uh, the market. It's it's not the cheapest and it's not the most expensive. But uh, I think it's it's unique. You know, there is nothing else like it. We there are only two homes, each with ten beds. Um, we opened a little over a week ago, and we I think are up to six or seven in the first home. We had planned uh, through through our um, feasibility studies to get a sustained occupancy within twelve to eighteen months, and if we keep going at the clip we're going, we're going to be well ahead of that. And, and uh, that makes me very, very proud and shows that we're doing, you know, the right thing by the model. Mm-hmm. Well, that's, that's fantastic. Um, mm-hmm. Do you have any goals or expectations for the future? Do you see yourself building another one if this one fills? And Yeah, I think so. I, I really do. It, the thing about the Caledonian house is, yes, the architecture is, is part of it, but the operational and the philosophical uh, side of things, as, as we talked about before, can be incorporated into to other systems of care uh, and other communities. And, you know, we'll be happy to, we have some land on the Scottish home that we could build a, a second building and we have some existing buildings that we may kind of look to to redesign and rehab and incorporate some of the, the philosophies and the, the operations of the Caledonian House. But as I said earlier, we, we've we formed a partnership with PHI, with Jeff Goldoni, but we've also recognised that we're doing something new at the Caledonian House. So we formed a partnership with a, a local academic partner, and, and that's Concordia University, uh, just a few miles north of, of uh, the Scottish home. Concordia has the only PhD program in gerontological studies in Illinois, and that department have hired incredibly well. They've, they've hired some really innovative and creative thinkers into the department, in Lydia Manning and John Holton and their colleagues. And so we, we said to Lydia and John, and Tom Jangris, who is uh, on our board, a proud Scotsman whose mother lived in the Scottish home, but he's also the head of uh, innovative or innovation for for uh, Concordia University, and, and was the driving force to the establishment of the PhD program in gerontology. And um, we we asked the three of them and, and their colleagues to come and study what we do at the Caledonian House in order to to create a model that may be replicable on our campus, yes, but on other campuses uh, across across the, the country. And I really think that the Caledonian House will be that first drop in the water that creates a huge wave that raises the bar across a broader caregiving community. And I would like to see one of the cities and I live in Chicago, so I hope it's Chicago. Step forward and say, we are going to become the first truly dementia-friendly major city in the United States. 
And I'd like the Caledonian House to be part of that thinking um, across, you know, the the the, uh, the civic space that is Chicago. That that'd be my hope for the future. That it tr- it triggers a change in the way we all think and feel. Well, that would be wonderful to see. I don't know if you know, but I was involved with the first dementia-friendly community in the U.S. in Watertown, Wisconsin, several years back. Yeah. Oh, fantastic. Um, With the Lutheran Home Association. And, um, you know, it was just uh, such a privilege and such an honor and, you know, worked with some other communities in terms of of doing some things as well. So um, I live in Roseville in Minnesota, so I'm not too far from you. But one of the things we even got our city to do in Roseville is they're the, the, they're the first city in the nation to our knowledge to actually dedicate a page on their city website for Alzheimer's and dementia. And then we provide a lot of community education and different resources and things. So it's just, it's fun to do, you know, those cutting edge things that are all just relationship based, you know, and utilizing um, skills and resources that are already in the community instead of reproducing and trying to, you know, just uh, silo things. I just love the collaborations mm. and stuff. So very fun. Well, Gus, I know that you need to run. Um, you are actually on your way to a funeral, and we so appreciate you taking this hour with us. Is there any last information that you want to share um, before we before we let you go here? Sure, sure. I, I want to, again, thank you for, for having me on today, but also for, for all the work you 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 do and you've done. I didn't appreciate that that you were such a, an important part of the dementia-friendly community uh, world. And thank you for 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 that, Laurie. It's really really important work that you do. Um, and insofar as the Caledonian House goes, you know we we are seeing a, a home or seeing two homes become the type of places that that I have asked our teams to design that they would live in, that they would want to have their families live in. And it's as far from an institution that you could uh, possibly possibly get. And I'm going to kind of end, if, if I could, by telling a, a, a two stories. Um, one about the, the, the logo, the mark, the, the design for the Caledonian House, which, which we created and then a, a story about the relationship between a, a resident and their caregiver. Um, the logo is what we call in Scotland the Luckenbooth. And if you looked a Scotsman in a wardrobe and or two Scotsmen and said, we need you to come up with a logo for an organisation, you're going to get one of three things. You're either going to get a thistle or you're going to get the cross of St Andrew, the saltire, which is on the Scottish flag or you're going to get a lion rampant. None of those three things evoke care and love. And the type of things that we want to be known for in the Caledonian house, not the Scottish home. So we we looked kind of more broadly at Scottish iconography. And there is an item of jewellery which is called a Luckin booth, and it's given traditionally by a mother to her daughter when the daughter is engaged and the, the daughter will wear it through through the duration of the engagement until she's married. Mm-hmm. And it is a very intricate uh, brooch. Symbolically, it has two hearts coming together with a crown over the two hearts. And the, the two hearts, you know, the, the luck and booth itself symbolizes love being the crowning achievement of any life or any two lives. So we thought that's kind of a powerful image for what will happen in the Caledonian house. And we asked a graphic designer to design it in a a more contemporary way, making it more simple. And when we looked at it after a while, the simplicity really evokes something on a number of different levels. The two hearts could be, of course, most obviously the caregiver and the resident, but it could be the daughter and the mother. It could be the two parts of our organisation, the Scottish Home and the Caledonian House, or the Chicago Scots and the, the uh, Scottish Home, uh, coming together for a higher purpose, for a crowning purpose that is the care for those people who are living with dementia. 
And the crown itself was drawn in such an elegantly simple way that it could be seen as a crown or it could be seen as the top of a thistle indeed. Um, but more powerfully, I think, it could be seen as the sun rising on a new day for both the residents and the organisation, people who live and, and work in the Caledonian house. So it was a very powerful image, and I think that speaks to the philosophy of, of the Caledonian house. And then finally, the, a story that, that really, I think, indicates just what we were talking about before, how important relationships are. Um, as we were training with Anna and um, our staff at the Scottish Home, we were in one of the sessions that had been going on maybe a couple of hours when word came down through the nursing department that a very dear member of our community uh, had passed away. She had been Scottish, uh, part of our Scottish community and society, and then in laterally she had moved into the Scottish home and had become a very, very popular uh, member, a very beloved member of our home. And I happened to be in the training session with one of the CNAs who was her principal caregiver. And I said, you know, it, it, it must be very difficult for you. I know how close you were to Margaret. And this CNA turned around and she, she smiled and kind of looked off into mid-distance. And she said, yes, Margaret was a lovely, lovely lady, Gus. And then she turned around and looked me right in the eye and said, you know, I took care of her mother when she lived here 30 years ago. Oh, wow. And she was a lovely lady too. And I thought to myself, there are not many organisations in this world who can say that a member of staff has taken care of two generations of a family 30 years apart. And that speaks to how important the relationship that organisations like ours have and can have with the residents and their families. And there is nothing more important. So that's the guiding philosophy of our Caledonian house, summed up in, in one relationship. Wow, that that is a powerful, powerful statement. Well, again, thank you so much, Gus, for taking time and sharing um, it, what it is you are doing at the Caledonian House and why it is such an award-winning um, community. Um, I just love how you're giving purpose and, and building those relationships, uh, having that be center focus for people. Now, I know if people have questions, they can call uh, 708-426-7126 at 708-426-7126, or you can contact Christine Burnett, and that is, Burnett is with two T's at the end, at Chicago Scots, and that's with one T, dot org. Uh, Kristen Burnett, two T's, um, and Kristen was with a K, I should say that too, at chicagoscots.org, um, or you can go to chicagoscots.org um, specifically as well. So thank you again so much for being with us. I really appreciate all your work and look forward to maybe meeting you someday. You're not that far away, so hopefully I'll get to Chicago and, okay. and can come and check you guys out. Hey, hey Laurie, could I just... One little correction, the, the number, mm -hmm. if, if I could give the main sure. number for the Scottish home, sure. it's 708-447-5092. Okay, fine. 708-447-5092. Okay, I will get that corrected on our paper. For some reason, I had this other number, so I apologize on that. Thank you for correcting probably, that. It's probably my mistake. I make them all the time. <laughs> oh, so do I. So do I. So. Great. Well, thank you, you very much for having me, and thanks for all you do, Laurie. Thank you. Bye now. Um, for those bye bye. for those of you that are new to Alive and Social, we do have a, a new show uh, that you might want to check out. You'll want to check out Rachel Perrin who is the culinary director for Kowalski's Markets, along with her produce and sidekick, Adam Lee. Um, they are joined on the program called Foodtastic. 
and um, they will chat about seasonal fa- uh, flavors and favorite foods and trending topics in nutrition and all kinds of yummy things for your tummy. So uh, check them out. And, um, you know, while you're trying to figure out what's for dinner tonight, uh, they might have the answer. Their podcasts average uh, 10 to 15 minutes per episode, and they're perfect for the busy yet hungry listener who would like a little assistance in the kitchen. Um, and you can always find complete menus if you go to kowalskis.com. That's K-O-W-A-L-S-K-I-S.com. And what else? I, I just, uh, I'm just so enthralled with the Caledonian house. I, I just, I'm going to have to get to Chicago to go check that out. Um, we are going to be having, uh, coming up next, uh, on our next show on Thursday, we are going to be, uh, talking with a researcher, uh, and, uh, find out a little bit about what's going on, uh, in that area in terms of disease. Um, all of our shows are podcasts, so you can find, find those, um, and go back for five years and listen if you'd like to. Also, I will be posting coming this week, our latest dimension chats where we talked about technology and apps versus relationship care, which kind of tied into our show today. Um, you may also want to check into our last conscious caring resource, uh, video with Scott Chapin, who is, um, the co-founder of Caregiving Answers and also Senior Providers Network. So until next time, have a wonderful day. Talk soon, everyone. It's time to rethink, renew, and reimagine retirement. Hey, everybody. Jared Sebesta here, host of Retire Repurposed. Now, this podcast is about the non-financial parts of retirement, which many times can be even more challenging than the financial. We believe retirement is not the end, rather the beginning of what can be the most impactful, purposeful, and fulfilling season of a person's life. So don't retire. Become repurposed. To listen now, search Retire Repurposed on your favorite podcast platform, Senior Resource, or Life Audio.